Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher. I'm Pastor Matt Cale, St. Mark's Lutheran Church, Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Paris, the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry, University of Colorado Boulder. And every week we look at the scriptures for the upcoming Sunday and make a playlist. Obviously, it goes without saying. It goes without saying. Zach, I'm so excited today. Yeah, what's that? It's it's our 10th anniversary. It's our friend anniversary, man. A, a Facebook friendship. What I appreciate most about our Facebook friend anniversary. <laughs> Uh, is that it happens today? We're recording uh, right here at the end of June. Full, almost a full twelve months after we lived next to each other, uh, attended it's classes true. together. Um, it's true. It's true. Each other I, I feel like there's a lot of truth that's communicated in that uh, mm -hmm. that reality. <laughs> it's good. I want to compare it to my friend anniversary with Adam Burnt. <laughs> is that a year older? <laughs> Probably exactly a year older. Like, oh my goodness. Mm. So exciting! Got a little slideshow. You can, I know. Uh, I was. Can we can we share that on the through the vinyl preacher? Is I that think we can. Our... We're gonna share it. <laughs> we should do that <laughs> later today, which is in your future or you're in your past, dear listener. But in our future, uh, it'll be on the Facebook page. You can you can look at pictures of us when we look like babies in our twenties. Children. <laughs> so naive about about the world. <laughs> It's, it's true. The future of the church. It's true. Oh my goodness. Last year, our uh, friend anniversary came up just as we were leaving the mm. Lumen the Lumen staff conference. That's right. And you were at the Lumen staff conference. How was it? Oh, Matt, Matt, it's uh, it's 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 definitely uh, the most important thing uh, I go to all year. You may recall, dear listeners. After Synod Assembly, I was not particularly enthused about the, the status and future of the church, even as a straight white male with some cultural Lutheranism. Uh, I look out and I'm like, how do, what did these people have to do with me? Um, and I go every year to the Lumen Conference and I'm like, hey, this is the group of weirdos to which I belong. Um, and it makes sense for me to be here. And it's it's funny, but also very true. And, and lots of my colleagues share the similar sort of stories um, about how... Uh, we would all probably not be in ministry if it were not for this community of people, not in a like a, a rhetorical uh, figurative sort of way, but in very like very real sense of of, of going to these places um, when you've got your resignation letter drafted up um, <laughs> and being reminded that uh, that there's a place for you in the church. Yeah, that's very cool. I know last year was my my first time going to that, and I was I was really blown away by the. Um, it was amazing to see these. You have to be super, as as you well know, but not all of us uh, congregational pastors know. Like you have to be super passionate about campus ministry to do that job well. <laughs> it's pretty hard to just uh, cruise, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Autopilot is not good. Yeah, I mean you have to care a lot, and you have to be like you have to have a set of skills. I think that. Um, I mean, I think to do congregational ministry well too, you have to have certain kind of skills. But like, there's a, there's definitely an entrepreneurial. Like, you're running your own nonprofit, um, with a with a community that's continually changing. Anyway, listeners don't want to hear me talk about my outsider's perspective. I was <laughs> a Lumen conference last year, but um, but it was pretty amazing to see all these people together and uh, get a real sense. I think of of campus ministry throughout the country. So yeah, less margin for error. I think is the. 
Yeah. Yeah. Did you, um, I saw pictures of you. Did you get an award? Oh, Matt. Uh, yeah, I did. I'm, uh, um, here in Boulder, we do what we call award-winning campus ministry. Um, <laughs> yes, I won the, the Hess Pearson Award, um, which is named for two students uh, in California, actually. Uh, they're actually interns, sorry, but they were uh, interning in campus ministry and drive into a campus ministry retreat um, and uh, died in an automobile accident on the way to that retreat. And so in 1986, uh, the award was established in their names uh, to campus, it's awarded to campus ministry uh, professionals who show great um, dedication to and advocacy for Lutheran Student Movement USA, which is kind of a student expression of, of Lumen. So I got, they, they awarded me that. That was a thing that happened. It was exciting. It was, it was, uh, I cried a little bit, but. Um, <laughs> That's good. That's really exciting. Yeah. Um, Did you get a little statue? Is there a little statuette of like a Lutheran a, pastor? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's lovely. It's a lovely piece of hardware. It's a, it's a, it's a glass like engraved kind of thing. Uh, very heavy. Uh, the TSA was interested in it, um, which is a good thing, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it was great. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Lots of, we give out, uh, we have an awards like banquet every year. Um, so it's always fun to see uh, our colleagues lifted up for doing really cool stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. Two questions uh, for our listeners. What is the next Lutheran student movement uh, gathering? Oh, I was there this week, actually. Um, so I also advise how I, I won the award is through my role uh, advising the National Council of Lutheran Student Movement, uh, which are students from around the country. And they were all together in Austin as well at the first part of the week before the conference began to plan a national gathering that will happen uh, again this year, December 30th to January 2nd uh, at the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago, uh, our beloved alma mater, uh, central to so many folks and very close to a lovely airport. Uh, Midway International Airport, unless you're flying O'Hare? United. Oh, here is that the Gary Regional oh, Airport? We got a theme, Matt. We have a theme. We're issuing invitations to speakers this week, so we don't have those 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 penciled down yet. Uh, that's not a, a phrase. Uh, nailed down. We don't have them nailed down. We have them penciled down for sure. Um, but we have a theme, uh, which is uh, the discomforting God. Uh, and then we quote Micah six eight, just um, wow. slash comforting. I'll be really clear about that. Wow, both wow. and liminal. Well, I'm excited. I could have four students from St. Mark's. What? I know. Who knows what it's going to go? But that's how many people. Like my group is now moving into college, and I'm. Like, you gotta okay. you gotta connect them with Nez, who was out uh, planning the the uh, retreat with us. Nez was with us. Cool. December 30th to January 2nd. What about the next staff conference? When and where is that? We don't know yet. Uh, I know. I know. Word on the street is we had a location locked down, but we got bumped uh, from our host institution. So we're exploring a couple of different options. I'm a little scared because one of them is Boulder, and that would mean I'd have to do a lot of work. But... Um, and we all know that I don't like to actually do work. <laughs> That would be a lot of extra work. Mm -hmm. Still, though. And I'd have to stay at home the whole time. That's true. <laughs> you can uh, edit that part out, producer. Just... Yeah, Hannah doesn't really listen, so it's okay. We don't, 
more importantly, Matt, this year's conference was in Austin. Uh, did, you and, did, you, did you melt into a puddle? Oh, my God. It was so hot. It was so hot, Matt. Listeners, I grew up in, in western North Carolina, in rural North Carolina, um, and, and I know one thing about me, and that's I'm a heavy sweater in humid locales. I sweat for no reason whatsoever because of I'm breathing causes perspiration. And it was 105 one day with like 90% humidity. Uh, it was oppressive. Uh, and the worst, the saddest part of all of this heat in such a lovely place uh, is that when the sun goes down, it's still hot as balls, man. So so I was very excited. Live music capital of the world. Is that Austin? Is that what they call themselves? Or is that Nashville? Who knows? Well, as a musical acts, I saw at the last second that my favorite band, Dawes, had a show while I was in Austin. And I was very excited. This is a, a, an epic, a great Greek epic here, like the Odyssey, if you will. Homeric Odyssey, that's what I was looking for. And so I went to get buy tickets to the show because I want to purchase tickets to see my favorite band while I'm in Austin. And uh, they were sold out. And even worse, they were free and sold out. Strange. What? Strange thing. What? Free tickets, but you had to reserve them in advance, but they'd already gotten rid of all of them by the time I found out about it. So I subjected myself to posting randomly on Craigslist, finding weird Facebook groups, and eventually I bought two free tickets to this show, found someone to drag along with me. It was kind of, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. It was free, and the show was not in a normal music venue. It was in a warehouse in the back of the newspaper of the Austin Plains Statesman, where it was kind of in a warehouse, and again, it was so hot. It was it was so hot in that warehouse. So I sweated, <laughs> just drenched to death. Uh, front row, of course. Uh, I was able to make that happen. And free beer. It was a free free event what? with free beer. Uh, unfortunately, Bud Light was sponsoring it, and it was literally only Bud Light. So for the first time since we've been friends, probably on Facebook, I had a Bud Light or or a couple. <laughs> You know, I could have given you a tip for staying cool during hot weather music yeah. experiences. Um, tank tops. Tank tops. Little Coachella sh- tip for you. Coachella I should have bro tanked bro- it. Well, that sounds uh, that sounds pretty amazing. That is like an Austin experience, it seems like. Right. It was. I thought we lived. For, actually, went straight from. We did the. If you're not familiar with Austin, friends, they have like the U.S.'s largest colony of bats live under a bridge downtown on the the river that they call a lake. But seriously, it's a river. And our evening entertainment that night was a cruise on the river and to watch the bats leave that night. So really fun. The newspaper is like right next to the bridge where the bat cruise is, where the bats come out underneath the bridge, right? Uh, so we were on the bat cruise, saw the bats go out, immediately got off the boat, ran across the street, uh, and got in right as Dawes was coming on stage and snuck our way to the front. Once we grabbed our, you got five. It was up to five. You had a limit of five Bud Lights you could get. Uh, we did not make it all the way to five. Um, but we were well hydrated, lots of water in that Bud Light. So Fantastic. And then I took a fake Uber home because they don't have Uber exactly in Austin. Because uh, they kicked them out and now they're back. But in my Ride Austin app, uh, Ride, I left my cell phone uh, and couldn't recover it for like two days. So, but I found it. It's back. No worries. Oh my gosh. I can't really imagine that, actually. I know. That's exciting. Wish I was there. Maybe if it's in Boulder next year. There we go. Hey. Just maybe, drive over, man. Maybe I'll join you. Uh, next year. Oh my goodness. No, not next year. Next week. So I don't have anything nearly that exciting going on. <laughs> No. But I'm going to the Western States Youth Gathering this week. It's the best I can do. That's fun. 
That's I fun, know. man. I know. Cal Lou. But I'm but I'm leading I'm leading a workshop there that is relevant to this podcast. Mm. So since you're talking about music, have yeah. I read this have I read this workshop description on the podcast yet? No. Okay. This is how it goes. I'm gonna try to read it with a straight face. Because it's very serious. Uh, it's called Finding God in Your Headphones. Ooh. Description, God is on the radio. We hear it in the fire and brimstone of Kendrick Lamar's Damn, the betrayal and forgiveness of Beyonce's Lemonade, the global ennui of Drake's Views, the technicolor praise songs of Chance the Rapper's Coloring Book. The line between these apostolic artists and our Sunday scriptures is thinner than we think. Love, anger, dissatisfaction, hope. Come explore the beats of the Bible with us. I like it. If I could oh. drop this mic without breaking it, I would. Do yeah, that. let's not drop that one because that would so. That's a. <laughs> all right. And I will yeah. tell you. Then, it, then there's a description of uh of the presenter. That's, that's myself. And um, <laughs> and I said Reverend Matt Cato serves as pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles. He is co-host of the Vinyl Preacher podcast. <laughs> what? It's the first thing in my bio. Well, I guess second thing after uh, St. Mark's. It's a big deal. It's, it's a, a huge deal. deal. That was the fun part of the Lumen Conference this year. Got to run into lots of listeners. Uh, people Did who you? legitimately listen to the podcast every week and hear about them. Here's my favorite response. came from uh, our good friend Greg Schaefer, pastor of University Lutheran Church in Palo Alto, California. Uh, his response is, he does not listen to the podcast, but people in his congregation do. Uh, what? So... Shout out to all the Unilue folks up there in Palo Alto. Uh, a lot of lovely, lovely places. Not nearly as hot as Austin. Of course, you got to spend time with uh, TVP's first fan, uh, the Reverend Ben Adams. <laughs> Always good to hang out with him and to hear his take. Mostly Matt. He's like, hey, a podcast I'm preaching that comes out Friday before Sunday. Uh, <laughs> it's super helpful to me, you jerks. <laughs> we're we're going to work on that. We're gonna work we're, on that. We've already addressed that. Dude, so... <laughs> Now you just got to switch to the semi-continuous and quit complaining. <laughs> but not the narrative lectionary. We're opposed to that. No, we're not doing that. Um, yeah, fun fact, Greg Schaefer was the first person. It was like several, several years ago. And I would make, every once in a while, I would make a playlist for the for the lectionary day. And he actually commented on my Facebook post that I was like, you make a playlist for, for the lectionary? I was like, yeah, of course. Years before there was a Vinyl Preacher podcast. Greg noticed already for, su for such a thing already and not yet already and not yet I guess we should uh, we've been <laughs> we'll just talk about our lives some more if we, <laughs> we, we, we hear more about our lives we've been talking for 20 minutes about our lives but it's good stuff it's important it uh, is important life stuff important contextual stuff matters oh I guess we could talk about the lives of these characters it was really fun uh, last week it's almost time for for this week's text. I did. I've got one more thing, Matt. One more yeah, thing. Yeah, okay. I okay, heard go a for very it. good sermon this week. I think that's worth saying. At the Lumen yeah. Conference, at our oh. closing worship. Gosh, I'll have to look up her name. She's the campus pastor at St. Olaf. Because we did some stuff with the ELCA College chaplains that we don't normally do. Uh, so it was great to have them there. In particular, got to hang out with uh, Jen Rood. I always like hanging out with Jen Rood up at PLU. But but she she preached on the text from, from uh, of the week, June 25th. There we go. Uh, and just just did a fantastic job. Really, really solid job. Well done. Clearly, like, well-crafted, you know, things tied together. It was, and then you could see, like, all the work she had, she had built, she had put into it. Um, so, always worth shouting out when you hear a really good sermon. Worth talking about. 
it's the, it was the text about Jesus brings peace. Uh, it doesn't come to bring peace, but brings a sword. Um, uh, and she did a really nice job of opening up about how like the peace that Jesus is bringing has to be like a, a full peace that, that holds. It's so full that it doesn't always feel like peace to us. Cool. You should get her on the podcast. So we should. People can hear some quality. Uh, hear some good preachers. Us. Yeah, that'd be. <laughs> we don't promise good preaching. We promise. <laughs> That's the thing about vinyl preaching. It's not digital, right? So we don't average it out, right? Like, so when it's bad, you get to hear exactly how bad it is. Exactly how bad it is. Well, good. I um, I preached at the church picnic on Sunday. Yeah, how was the picnic? I mean, it's it, I preached on the uh, Hagar and Ishmael in the wilderness text, which is you know you're at a picnic, everybody's outside, they're just ready for their. They're grilled up hot dogs and hamburgers, and you're like, it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty brutal story. It's pretty brutal. It's not light summer. This isn't beach reading. It's not beach reading. Um, but we were in the wilderness, so to speak. We were outside, so I, uh, I pulled that little thread as far as I could pull it uh, and talked about how there's a well in every wilderness. I thought that was a pretty decent. People could take that home with them. I think so. Well, not as good as, uh, as what you heard, but... It's uh, it's interesting. Preaching our way through Genesis. I also discovered something interesting. Should we move to the? Is uh oh, are we? I think it. I'm all. Did we cross the date? The dateline? I think we crossed the international dateline into uh, time for the text. I think <laughs> I have to consult my globe. Well, if you are not preaching on the Matthew text this summer, but you are using the semi-continuous readings from Genesis, because uh, you also like us are in the summer of Genesis. Let's think about where we've been on our journey through the summer of Genesis, um, we heard, what do we hear? We heard the creation story for Holy Trinity Sunday. That's right. Then we heard, um, oh, Abraham gets the, the three visitors. Abraham and Sarah get mm. three visitors who promised them a child. This is like the second or third time he gets promised a child. A blurry theophany. I know, it's crazy. And then, um, was that Father's Day? What's Father's Day? Yeah, that was Father's Day. That's what it was. That's what yeah. it was. And, yeah, then, yeah. Uh, and then after that, we got Abraham and Sarah kick out uh, Hagar and Ishmael, send them into the wilderness. Real cool. I know. I know. It's crazy. And then the week after that, God tells Abraham, hey, remember uh, that kid that I promised you that you had? Um, why don't you go sacrifice him on the mountain? <laughs> the near sacrifice of Isaac. And then, crazy thing happens, um, not in our lectionary, but shortly, but between that text about Abraham and Isaac on the near sacrifice and today's text... Sarah dies. Uh, so one of the one of the midrash commentaries, uh, one of the traditions uh, in Judaism is that the reason Sarah dies is because she was so traumatized by this crazy thing uh, that Abraham almost uh, did to Isaac. So she dies like immediately after that story. And then after she dies, uh, then Abraham's like, "Hey, I guess we need another woman in the household. So we're <laughs> we're gonna go find we're gonna go find you a wife to comfort you in your grief." So that's kind of the beats of the story. That's that's where we've. That's where we've been. So I wanted to go. I wanted to just mention one one thing before we say complete a complete goodbye to Ishmael. He shows up one more time. What? Do you remember this? No. Yeah, do you remember where, after today's story that we're we're about to hear about? Then Abraham dies, and Isaac and Ishmael bury him together. Mm. Isn't that nuts? That is I nuts. I love that. That's a beautiful little image. They they bury their father together. So even though they have these two divergent, completely different paths, they come back together to bury their father. Which is really. That's nice. That's a nice touch. Right that is crazy. And I've actually, uh, I was there a couple weeks ago. Um, 
at the tomb of the patriarchs, which is down in Hebron, what? which really? according to legend is where Abraham and um, and Sarah and Isaac and Rebecca are all buried. And so maybe some interesting symbolism for folks uh, parallels yeah. is you've got, if you if Ishmael and Isaac bury Abraham together, it's worth noting that at some point in its past, um, what started as a synagogue became a mosque, uh, and now it's divided. So they they built the synagogue, they built the building over the tomb, and there is a Jewish side and there is a Muslim side now wow yeah so isaac's side if you believe the legend and stuff right which isn't a thousand percent accurate um, sure there's an ishmael side and an isaac sign yeah i i didn't realize how much uh interesting stuff you could do with isaac and ishmael there's some there's there's like a lot of potential i think for unpacking and uh i mean even though it's it's legend airy mm-hmm. uh i think you could unpack some of that imagery in some pretty interesting ways so have fun, preachers, even though it's not in the lectionary. Sibling rivalry, Matt. We're getting that oh. today. Oh, we're going to get some more of it, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get some more of it. Um, but today, July 9th, yeah, Isaac's uh, Isaac's going on the ancient Near East Tinder. He's going <laughs> he's going to the well. It's the ancient version of Tinder. It's a, it's a woman at the well story. We did one of those a couple a couple uh, months ago. We did a woman at the well story with Jesus. Yeah, it's like it's a form or something. It's like a form. I... I really like, I know it's like old hats for people that have been to seminary, but I, I still remember being in college and taking a New Testament class and being blown away when uh, the professor was like, well, you know, this is like a, this is like a type story. They, this happens again and again. Isaac and Rebecca we're getting today, Jacob and Rachel, Moses and Zipporah, Jesus and the Samaritan woman. So I'm in class uh, at Valparaiso University and Professor Fred Needner, uh, professor of New Testament there at Valpo. Um, He's talking about these women at the well stories as as being these types, as being a genre, a genre, if you will, within scripture. In a similar way, he used at that time, so that would have been 2001, 2002. And he was talking about, he talked about Westerns, uh, because that was a genre that he grew up with. My dad, uh, Mitch Cato, loves Westerns, <laughs> so I, I know about that genre a little bit. But in, uh, in Westerns, there's always like a, there's always a, a showdown at high noon, right? And you can compare the different, uh, the different Westerns for how their showdowns uh, go down. The showdown that I remember most um, is from Back to the Future Part 3, <laughs> <laughs> right? When Marty McFly, and he's got the, oh, it's so good. You got to watch it. Spoilers, no spoilers. spoilers. No spoilers here. It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, I thought he had died. Right? Maybe he does. Oh you don't know. You'll have to watch. Go back and watch it. But, you know, it's funny. Uh, there's actually, we don't see a lot of Westerns. Not since Wild Wild West. But there is a job. <laughs> That was a classic, a classic uh, Western right there. I remember well, 1999. Um, so, but a very popular genre uh, today is the superhero genre, the comic book genre, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And Chris and I, so Chris and I, uh, I thought about this in relation to this text and I'm going to follow it through a little bit. I'm going to run with this thread a little bit. So forgive me listeners if you hate the comic book genre, but Chris and I went to see Wonder Woman on Thursday went to see Wonder Woman. Uh, probably the first DC movie that I've seen uh, since the Dark Knight trilogy. <laughs> but um, people are people have been gushing about this movie on social media. They're like, oh, it's so good. This is going to be like the best superhero movie that I've ever seen. I don't know. I don't know if I'd go quite that, mm. quite that far. Uh, but it was pretty good. But one of the things, it was pretty good. It was, it blew my mind that it was the first female starring role in a, in a superhero movie, which is just kind of ridiculous. Like it just seems 
that just seems crazy, right? That just seems crazy. That is mind blowing. But as we were as we were leaving, we were talking about the movie, and Chris said, "Well, you know, it's interesting. Like because I make her go see a lot of uh, comic book movies." I'm sorry, she drags me, I should clarify. She's the one that wants to see those. She says, like, if, you, if you've seen a lot of these, you know a little bit about the genre, right? You can compare the different things that they're doing, the different ways the characters interact with each other, um, the different ways that they handle superpowers. You can, if, you, if you've seen a whole lot of these kind of movies then you know the kinds of things that they're playing with, right? And the ways that they take a left turn or a right turn. If you haven't, you may or may not enjoy the movie, but you're probably, you're also not going to like think about it in, through the lens of the form, right? Um, and I think there's a similar thing with like Women at the Well stories. If you know the different stories, you can compare and contrast them and you learn a little bit about the characters and how they interact and what they mean in the story uh, if you know a little bit more about the genre. So that's my, that's my take. Fred Niener, early 2000s, uh, before the the comic book movie boom, was using westerns, I'd use the superhero genre. I'd use the superhero genre, mm. and in part today, because our protagonist is a woman, is a is a Wonder Woman type figure. Mm. What? Mm-hmm. And I have more to say about that, but um, but first I want to know what your lens is. Do you have what? What do you think about this text? What's what are you? What are you? I mean, let's keep going. Let's keep going with the superhero thing. How does how does the form add something completely different? It won't help advance uh, <laughs> my argument. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is what. So here's what I here's here's I don't I don't totally understand all of it, but um. So here's here's something crazy. To me. This is actually like an excerpt from this larger story, which you might. You might have noticed if you looked at the fact that it's from Genesis 24, 34 to 38, 42 to 49, 58 to 67, there's some things missing. This is like part of a much larger story. So Isaac, not actually at the well, talking to Rebecca. Right. Isaac's not even there, right? There's a go-between, a servant. The other stories, I'm pretty sure Jacob's at the well talking to Rachel. We'll have to go check on that. Moses and Zipporah, you know Jesus is talking to that Samaritan woman one-on-one. Mm-hmm. He's not sending a go-between. He's not sending right. Peter to go talk to the woman. He's there talking to himself. But Isaac has this go-between, which says which says something about Isaac and says something about what's what's happening here, right? I don't know. Exa- I'm not going to run through all of what it says. You may have mm-hmm. some thoughts on that, but it says something, right? It does. It's a critical piece right there. It's a critical piece. As we go through it, he says he <laughs> the servant wants God to give him a sign. Mm-hmm. Give me a sign that this is the right person, right? And what's the sign going to be? I want it to be that she's not only going to give me a drink, but she's also going to give a drink to all of my camels. So this is a little bit, um, but this is a little, like you might have read that and been like, oh, that's nice. She's going to like, you know, give the, put a little doggy bowl out for the camels or something. <laughs> no, no. Uh, what uh, what the commentary said was that one camel could drink 20 to 30 gallons of water. Fun fact about camels, even if you have like a, a grade school uh, LA Zoo understanding of camels, you know that they hold water, right? They hold lots of water, so they don't have to drink very often. They get one camel, that's like 20 to 30 gallons. This guy has like 10 camels. This is like 300 gallons of water. Man, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to be too braggadocious on this episode. We've already covered the fact that I'm an award-winning campus pastor, but I know a thing or two about camels. Tell us, tell us about camels. Well, 
it was seems like just yesterday, but maybe it was months ago, a month ago. Uh, I, I rode a camel in uh, while we were in Israel and Palestine. We stopped. Uh, there's a sign. We were driving out to the Dead Sea. Uh, Jerusalem, actually fairly high up, higher up than you'd think, about 2,000, 3,000 feet. And on our way to the Dead Sea, it means we're dropping a lot of a lot of elevation to get below sea level. There's a little sign that you can pull off on the side of the road that says sea level. And so we did that. And, of course, there's uh, a guy there ready to, to do what he needs to do to make some cash money with his camel. And for a couple of shekels, uh, you can ride the camel and get your picture taken on the camel. Um, and so our bus driver has clearly, like, does this all the time and has a deal, like, is connected to the guy, right? And, like, he was g- yeah. getting a little disappointed that nobody on our bus was going to ride the camel with the guy. So I took one for the team and rode the camel. What? Yep, rode the camel. It was incredible. Camel noises also were a lot more like humpback whale noises. It was like this deep guttural, like, like it could be Star Wars. I think that's what Star Wars animals are based on. And so I just became intimately familiar with camels uh, and really, con- they're one of my new things, actually. I'm, uh, I'm just getting into camels as a hobby. We have a camel farm in Boulder County uh, where they milk them, and you can buy the camel's milk at, uh, at at grocery stores locally. It's incredibly expensive. It's true. It's true. Uh, when my friend runs, friends runs a grocery store and for, for a little while, they sold the camel's milk. Uh, it's not a big seller because, again, it was like $15 for eight ounces, which is a little steep in the milk budget. Might be a good uh, sermon illustration, though. But I love just... here's the here's the sermon illustration I'm going to offer up. I'm not sure what to do with it, but it res- it, it really a lot of resonance here. Uh, I like the tender, um, but as we were driving out to the Dead Sea, in particular, uh, we passed through uh, and saw a number of Bedouin communities. Uh, and the Bedouins we had heard about briefly, uh, and we kept hearing about them just a little bit. And so uh, it was just a a group that lives in the area uh, that doesn't fit the categories that most folks are defined by because Bedouinism is actually not uh, an ethnicity, right? It's a, it's a lifestyle is what we've, we've heard and what we heard. Um, and so it's not like they don't necessarily, nobody really likes them uh, because they like, don't, they mess up all the rules and stuff, right? Like it's hard to nomadic peoples are hard to, to contain in the way that, that like Israel might like to contain them. And so we, we saw these Bedouin communities like herding sheep and stuff uh, and having where their tents were set up. And uh, a question that occurred to me was, if you're a Bedouin, uh, how do you meet other Bedouins? Uh, and so we came up with the idea of a website that we're still in development called BedouinsOnly.com. <laughs> we've got the commercials figured out, right? It'll be like somebody who's improperly dressed for camel riding and riding a camel. And the other romantic partner will be like, geez, get a load of her. She, she doesn't know how to ride a camel. Um, but it's not just for people who are currently Bedouins, but for people who are into the lifestyle, you know, there'd be an entryway. So, so I'm working on some sort of Bedouins only com joke. Uh, I mean, not joke, sermon illustration uh, for, for this Rebecca Isaac setup connection. They need the go-between because when you're Bedouins, it's not like you can meet up at the, the town dance, right? But right. If your nomadic party just never meets up with another nomadic party it's hard to hard to find so this uh abraham servant is basically the the app he's the he's algorithm the he's, he's the, trying to find right. the algorithm right that's what he's trying to do mm-hmm. he's asking god for a sign but instead of a sign we'd say algorithm that's exact well well i mean it's you got to know whether they're really into the lifestyle or not and here it's are they going to water the camels because if you're into the bedouin lifestyle you know camels got to be yeah. watered I like it. Just uh, when your Bedouin app takes off, don't forget us at the Bible Preacher. Well, yeah. I mean, that's – I think that's – 
I think there's a lot of potential with women at the well stories. I mean, I, I feel like I've made the, uh, the Tinder joke too many times <laughs> Sunday mornings when these come up, but that, I mean, that is it, right? Like this is like ancient Near East dating. And so that's the genre they turn to really, it should probably be like the romantic comedy genre. That's really mm-hmm. what I ought to be using. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, and this is, this is, this is what it is. And there's some comedy here too, right? And that's, um, that's a part of it. Like, are you going to water the camels? And she waters a comically large number of camels because she's like Wonder Woman. What? what? She's super strong. Rebecca. Oh my gosh. How is she watering this many camels? It's crazy. And she has a nose ring. And she has a nose ring. What's up with that? What's up with all the jewelry? I don't know. <laughs> well, one thing that the jewelry does is that it communicates uh, to Rebecca's family that, hey, Mm-hmm. Uh, this family has money. Yep. So even though um, there's some divine intervention here, God's finding a wife for Isaac, there's also God's working through uh, some pretty, I don't know, some pretty earthy ways of finding. There is some nice, there's nice tension here. Um, I mean, I think that's probably a commonality, that, uh, a trait that, that, that most women at the well stories share is a woman at the well is an incredibly ordinary scene. Um, and you can play with it a lot, but it's 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 no surprise that there's a woman at the well. Uh, there are always yeah. women at the well. And yet it's held in tension with what we're seeing as another um, an emerging characteristic of of this story in Genesis is the difficulty with which the the perilous road that uh, the path to, to, to many descendants walks. Um, mm-hmm. It was in jeopardy when uh, Abraham and Sarah were in their hundreds and didn't have a proper male heir. Um, and here, there, Abraham has a really particular understanding of who is suitable for Isaac to marry, and it requires uh, signs and a long journey. Um, and uh, what if Sarah, what if Rebecca watered all but one of the camels? It all falls <laughs> apart, right? Um, yeah. It's not certain. It's, it's miraculous and also very ordinary. Just like me riding a camel. <laughs> Just like that. Did you also um, slip quickly from the camel? I slipped very quickly from the camel. So, <laughs> but not too so when Rebecca, So when Rebecca, Rebecca um, goes out to find uh, Isaac, she goes away with the servants. She's apparently never seen Isaac, but she's like, all right, I'll go. That seems like this is going to be a good match. And so she goes off with the servant. She sees Isaac coming in the distance, and the English NRSV says she slipped quickly from the camel. Um, apparently, you're usually better at looking up the Hebrew. Um, mm. But apparently, what that really means is she fell off. She just fell off the camel <laughs> when she saw him. Isaac was um, so stunning. She just fell off the damn camel. Right? Mm-hmm. Something made us fall. Um, if we're in the romantic comedy genre, this is some uh, physical comedy right here. This is some yes. physical slap. There's some slapstick happening at this moment. I mean, it's true. Like that's If you were acting this story out, this this part would get a big laugh, I think. If this was 20 years earlier, I think you could do like a coming, uh, uh, coming to America kind of setup. I think it's like 30 years earlier. Oh, 30. Sorry. <laughs> you could. You could. Mm-hmm. All of that. What else? What else about this story? I mean, I she, also, has to, she has to be convinced yeah. not only, right, that Isaac is like a has a really good profile, but to go live with him and his family that she doesn't really know uh, in a foreign land. And that's a huge, huge deal. No, it is. It's a huge deal. It's kind of interesting. I mean, we think about Genesis as being this story of the patriarchs, and oftentimes we hear the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
but these lectionary stories have really have really been giving us um, the story of the women as well, which is obviously important, right? We've gotten a little Abraham and Sarah mixed together in the when the three mysterious figures come to Abraham. You get Abraham and then Sarah laughing, and so you've got mm-hmm. sort of a 50-50 story there. Um, but then we get Hagar in the wilderness, and that story really zooms in on Hagar in the second half of the story. Um, then you get Abraham and Isaac, and now this one is like Rebecca is really at center stage here. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that Isaac, I mean, it's really interesting. It's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isaac is this much promised son. We really don't get to find out that much about Isaac. Doesn't really have a personality. He's oddly silent in the stories. Right? Yeah. He's oddly silent, especially in these lectionary stories. I mean, Abraham looms large. Isaac's a critical connector piece, but next week we're about to get Jacob, and Jacob gets a whole lot of character development. Right. <laughs> Um, but Isaac, not not nearly as much. And this story is really emblematic of that, too, right? Where he doesn't even show up yeah. <laughs> until, yeah. until the end and really just from a distance. I mean, it's sort of so hmm. interesting. Hmm. Interesting, maybe some tension with with last week or the week before last um, and, and Isaac as um, the long promised gift is still somewhat impotent. Uh, necessary, but can't do it himself. Uh, yeah. Isaac alone does not ensure the descendants, and, yeah. and that maybe that's maybe that's a part of uh, of of a literary choice of of having him be so quiet is that it would feel familiar if we went from Abraham, Father Abraham, to the next great man, history kind of thing. Um, but instead, what we get is we get this silent Isaac, and then we get Jacob, who clearly is not like a great. <laughs> yeah. Who's a who's a what do you call it? Is a dystopian sort of like a tragic hero kind of thing. Good luck, preachers. Good luck, preachers. We should probably touch on Matthew eleven for Ben Adams. Fine. Oh, hey. Um, fun stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause in Romans on our way to Matthew. Mm-hmm. Romans, which starts out, I do not understand my own actions. <laughs> I, love, I love that line. As we're as we're kind of moving from Genesis, where like. The way that God works in Genesis is sometimes really like he's on screen, he's off screen. It's sort of mysterious. Yeah. What's the what's parts are the act of God and which parts are just kind of life and we're interpreting God as being at work. I do not understand my own actions. Mm-hmm. Could just as well apply to many of the characters. Well, that's <laughs> Genesis. that's how I want to tie it all together, right? It has to do yeah, with actions right. and deeds. And I'm going to give you a quick little reading from my good friend uh, James Allison, Girardian extraordinaire, who says, who writes that in the book of Ecclesiastes, part of the wisdom of Solomon, to whom it was traditionally described, you get an indication of how things should be as set out by wisdom. When wisdom orchestrates, there is a time for dancing and a time for mourning. Each has its proper place, and they flow into each other, like the children's game when it's working. But when vanity gets in the way, and vanity is described as like the wind going round and round, going nowhere, you get the breakdown of the proper time for things and people shouting at each other instead. So in this Matthew, right, we get this, Jesus compares this uh, generation to children sitting in the marketplaces, calling out to one another. We played the flute and you didn't dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. Um, And so James Allison is saying that 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 the norms of wisdom are are breaking down. Um, And we know that by by the deeds, right? We and we got a, a number of killer lines in the gospel. One that I might lead with is, uh, "Yet yeah, wisdom is vindicated by her deeds," hmm. um, and that's the connection to um, to Matthew, and I think it's the connection to Genesis this week. What Matthew's talking about is uh, John came, um, and John did uh, things that did not appear to be wise to the people. Uh, he did not drink, and they. Um, 
they said that he has demons, right? And then Jesus came and Jesus drank and ate and they called him a drunkard. Um, he, um, and they did not think he was wise. And yet, Matthew says, uh, they're vindicated by their deeds. They have this large following, even though they do not follow in your ways of wisdom. Clearly, they are wise because of the fruits of their, um, because of the fruits, because of what they, because of their deeds. Mm -hmm. uh, similarly, perhaps it would not be the wisest thing to, to rest your hope uh, on your lineage, to descend its numerous as stars, to send a messenger out into the... <laughs> basically back to Ur, through the desert, hoping for a sign in which you find a woman at a well, easy enough, who will water all, like, who will basically use all of the water for your camels. Um, <laughs> does not seem to be wise. And yet, wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Love it. So even though they're not complimentary texts, they can work together. They can work together. A bit they like going to um, a staff conference. One of the things I love about going to campus ministry staff conferences is I'm not the weirdest person in the room, uh, <laughs> which is refreshing, right? Um, I love uh, my colleagues and all of their eccentricities because I have eccentricities uh, and the boldness with which they, uh, when we're together, that they come out. Uh, we had a keynote speaker who one of my co our colleagues rebutted uh, and was really blatant in this, like his, his uh, heterodoxy, I guess. I just didn't really believe in that image of God that she presented as incredibly like Orthodox and Lutheran. That was a part of the, the, the keynote. And while I disagreed with my colleague, I loved that he was like, yeah, no, I don't. That's not really me. And yet, right, even though I, I disagree with everybody at staff conference about all kinds of different things, uh, wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Is that going to be your good news this week? I think so. Can you use, wow, is wisdom, the Craig Sadley Memorial good news segment, mm -hmm. uh, typically likes God to be the subject of the sentence. Is that still true? Because you're using wisdom with a capital W. I'm using Sophia with a capital S. Wow. Boom. Wisdom with a capital W. Wisdom Boom. is vindicated by her deeds. And we need it after some of the patriarchal stories the past couple weeks. It's true. Come it's on, true. Yahweh. Hear the cry of Hagar. Man. Mm. So uh, what are we listening to? What are we listening to? Well, Matt, here's what I'm listening to. Uh, I'm going to listen to songs that have nothing to do with what we've talked about. Because uh, the gospel ends with another killer line. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Uh, yeah. Which is, I mean, there's plenty to move and preach on there. Um, very familiar to folks. Yet, yeah, right, like I think the nuance I'd throw onto it, right, is that... that um, that coming to Jesus still requires a yoke. You're still carrying. Um, you do not get rid of the, the weariness and the heavy burdens, right? God gives you rest uh, in those things. Um, so here's what I got, Matt. I have got a song by uh, Boulder Recording Band, uh, The Eagles. Take it easy. <laughs> Take it easy. I'm trying to loosen my load. I've got a world of troubles on my mind. One says he's a friend of mine. <laughs> Aren't you in, aren't they in Arizona? I think that's where they're from. They recorded up at Walker Ranch um, back in the day. <laughs> no, no, that's in the, that's a line in the song. Oh, they're like yeah. uh, Winslow, Arizona. Yeah. Standing on the corner Wins in Winslow, Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I bet it was hot there, just like in Austin. I bet it was. I mean, not as humid though. So at night, at least, it was comfortable. It's a dry heat. Oh, oh my gosh. Heat. Good stuff. What else? What else you got? What else I got? Oh, I got a song, uh, uh, not by Freddie, but Frankie. Uh, 
Frankie goes to Valpo. I mean, Frankie goes to Hollywood. Uh, relax. Um, <laughs> relax. Relax. Famously used in the film uh, Zoolander. That's right. Um, I think uh, a, a part of how I'd set it up uh, with a kind of relaxed uh, and taking it easy kind of theme is by saying, right, that, that so many of us, or at least myself, I'm caught up in these cycles of searching for wisdom, searching for the secret uh, thing that's going to that's gonna relieve my burdens and worries. And I think what Jesus is saying, that that's not the path to that, right? It's this... It's the path of, of relaxing into uh, the wisdom of God that is already here and is already doing deeds. That could be an ACDC one, but um, I don't think they're done dirt cheap. That's my rebuttal. <laughs> so you got the Eagles and you got uh, Frank Eagles to Hollywood. And we're going to throw it back one more time. Uh, oh. Sometimes we get caught in in in, in ruts, in in, in uh, generational ruts, and I'm stuck in one today because we're going Pink Floyd. Breathe, which is lovely. Uh, it's got a nice little like uh, it's off of uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Go to the Planetarium, go to the Light Show, and uh, it's got a lovely ecclesiastical sort of feel to it. Breathe in the air. Don't be afraid to care. Leave, but don't leave me. Look around. Choose your ground. For long you live and high you fly. And smiles you'll give and tears you'll cry. And all your touch and all you see is all your life will ever be. Exactly. Uh, faithful listeners, you can come to the Vinyl Preacher for only the latest. The latest. Releases. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's what I'm going to share. Only the latest. The latest releases from, from Genesis's output in the 1970s, 80s. Just 70s and 80s, actually. Um, so uh, I've got I've got two Genesis songs and a Genesis solo song. <laughs> so old school Genesis. Uh, Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel era. Uh, I'm going to song has nothing to do with uh, a woman at the well, or does it? Genesis, uh, the fountain of Salamasis, who is a, a mythological uh, figure. Yeah. From a dense forest of tall, dark pine wood, my idol rises like an island. This is like this is like mythology. This is like one of those Led Zeppelin songs that are about Tolkien. This was this was Genesis pre-Phil Collins. So if you really want to compare the two halves of Genesis, just like you might compare, say, the story of Isaac and the story of uh, and of his son Jacob, uh, you might compare the Fountain of Salmasis with Genesis's later work, Invisible Touch. She seems to have an invisible touch. I'm guessing that that's uh, what Isaac was singing about Rebecca. Or maybe with the servant, the report that servant, the servant brought back, were basically the exact words of the song Invisible Touch. <laughs> wow. I would uh, rec- recommend the live version from the way we walk, uh, as usual, with the Phil Collins era Genesis. And then finally, finally, uh, solo. Genesis produced many solo artists. Not only not only the obvious ones like Mike and the Mechanics, mm-hmm. but also less obvious ones like uh, this guy Peter Gabriel, who put out probably is his biggest song, "In Your Eyes," famously featured uh, in the movie "Say Anything." So I'm just this week picturing Isaac when she sees him in the distance. He's there holding up his boombox, playing. <laughs> In your eyes. And she falls off the camp. It's so incredible she falls off the camp. Incredible, man. Incredible. What a playlist. Only the latest and greatest songs. That's right. That's all we do. You're on the, the vinyl preacher. That's um, 
if you really thought they were the latest and greatest songs, you probably should have been thrown off by the title, The Vinyl. The mm. Vinyl Preacher. I suspect that most of our listeners, this is the only way they learn about music. <laughs> <laughs> Good what, stuff. You got a question this week, Matt? Yeah. I'm going to use the question from the text. Whose daughter are you? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. That. I like Whose it. Whose daughter are you? I like it. That works. Vindication is wisdom by her deeds. Wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Matt, uh, yeah. we have incredible news. Um, oh, yeah. What's the news? There were guests among us at the Lumen Staff Conference this year. What? Including the director of worship for the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, Kevin Strickland. <laughs> I saw a picture. I was like, did you talk to him? Did you get And it's it's getting tense, Matt. Uh, snubbed him a couple times intentionally. A lot of stare downs. One, um, we shared peace one time during worship, but neither of us meant it. You could tell it was very like it wasn't real. Uh, there's no peace shared. So we're building up the building up the tension. He has made a request. Mm. Yeah, I said I would pass along, right? He would like to come in, the topic he'd like to talk about uh, when he comes on the pod, which will be never, so I guess he could say whatever he wants, um, is what is worship? Does it matter that we call worship worship? What's not worship? That's what he wants to talk okay. about. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Why does he want to talk about that? That's just, he finds it interesting, he wants to talk about it, I guess. Okay. I mean, it's not like I talked to him. He just told it to me, and I, I, stole, I stonewalled him. Just looked him straight in the eyes and walked away. <laughs> All right. That's an interesting question. All right. Mm-hmm. Look forward to, look forward to that conversation. Uh, what happens on the other side of the sea? On the dark side of the moon, if you will. Far, far shores. Mm. <sighs> Man. Well, uh, we'll look forward to that. Can't wait for it to never happen. <laughs> It's been real. It's been vinyl. Deuces.